Whatever your profession, opening up your work for review by other people is a scary business. We often dread the feedback, fearful they will spot some flaw in our logic or that their comments may derail our work. We're professionals and no different to anyone else in this regard. We often fear a stakeholder commenting on a design or arguing with us about the user experience. Different people react in different ways to this fear. Some people avoid the moment, choosing to work in secret and only showing their work when they absolutely have to and when it's been crafted to perfection. Others may show their work but then dismiss feedback as being ignorant or ill-informed. Unfortunately, both of these approaches are fundamentally flawed. The problem with not showing your work is that sooner or later you're going to have to. Eventually your site goes live and you will receive feedback from stakeholders whether you like it or not. Unfortunately, the longer you put off this moment, the more effort you have to put, you've put into the site already. If people don't like what you've done, then that work is wasted. If somebody rejects your work or identifies problems with it at such a late stage, the cost of making amendments is huge. The earlier problems are identified, the easier they are to fix. That is why when we were working with the University of Strathclyde, we endeavoured to show or endeavoured to show our work as early as possible. We believe that this is the best way to identify problems and get them fixed before the cost of change becomes too high. Now, we do this in a few different ways or are doing this in a few different ways because we're working with Strathclyde right now. Before we even started work, we were looking for feedback. Um, we did this by running an internal conference within the organisation with over 100 people invited. We had multiple speakers, workshops and discussion groups exploring what we wanted the site to be like. This was not only a brilliant way to get feedback, it was also a superb way to build excitement and educate people too. We also met with a number of stakeholders on an individual basis to build up a better picture of the organisation and what it needed from the web. We always find these sessions incredibly invaluable as they help form our initial ideas about a site and prevent us wasting time by going down the wrong track. Once we started production, we shared our work as soon as possible. Now, we've done this by releasing an alpha site that people can look at and also explaining what we're doing on a web transformation blog that we're running. Once the alpha site was up, we didn't wait for people to comment. We didn't hide the site away in any way. Instead, we actively approached key people solicitating their feedback. We wanted to make sure that we had all the facts possible before proceeding any further. The feedback was almost entirely positive. Yes, some changes to content were suggested, but overall people were happy with the direction. Were we just lucky? Well, I really think we weren't. I think that it was actually down to our actions. The comments were good because we'd been gathering and listening to feedback since the very beginning. We knew what was required and even when our response didn't meet people's expectations, they understood that our response was considered. They felt consulted. And that brings me on to the, nicely to the next response to feedback, which is to reject it. The other common response to feedback is to reject it entirely. By dismissing feedback as either irrelevant or ill-informed, you don't have to act on it. Of course, at the same time, you are both insulting the person that has provided the feedback by implying that it's ill-informed and sending the message that you really don't care what they think. Of course, sometimes the feedback is 
either irrelevant or just downright wrong. However, that isn't a failing of the person commenting. That's a failing of your ability to cultivate the right kind of feedback. There are two aspects to this that need addressing, irrelevant comments and ill-informed feedback. Let's take irrelevant comments first. There is no reason why you should be receiving irrelevant comments from people. The only time that's going to happen is when you ask the wrong questions. Never ask somebody what they think of your work. This is bad for several reasons. First, you are asking uh, for a personal opinion, and almost always you want something more objective than that. Second, it is too vague to encourage useful feedback. When we sent out an email asking for feedback on the Alpha site at Strathclyde, we asked some very specific questions. We asked, is there content missing from the pages you're looking at? In what way does the pages uh, fail to meet the user's needs? In what way does it fail to meet business needs? And in what way does it fail to communicate Strathclyde's values? These questions were aimed to encourage the kind of feedback that was actually useful to us. We didn't want feedback like, I don't like the blue, because the design had already been set as part of the corporate brand. We needed to know whether content was incorrect, whether we were failing a specific user group, or whether we were failing to meet business needs. Yes, we were interested that the design was failing to communicate Strathclyde's identity, but we didn't want specific comments on typography, colour or layout. The results were outstanding. Every piece of feedback we received was incredibly useful. And by focusing people on the right issues, a lot of people suddenly realized why we had taken the approach that we had. We both filtered out irrelevant content and educated by our choice of questions. Not that our choice of questions was the only way we avoided ill-informed comments. We also had an ongoing campaign of stakeholder education. I've already mentioned the blog and the conference that we ran, but that was just the start. We also educated people that we met with one-to-one. We worked collaboratively with key stakeholders to improve their knowledge and uh, gave various internal presentations to explain our approach. However, most effective of all was the video um, that you can see on the website. Before anybody could view a page of the Alpha site, they first had to watch a video. This made it very clear what they were looking at and set expectations. The video helped avoid comments about the site not looking finished or being broken in a certain browser. Talking of browser support, another, this was another area that we chose to educate rather than avoid. We found that the website looked terrible in Internet Explorer 9 from within the institution. This was because the browser um, had been set to behave like IE7 for various internal reasons. As this is the main browser used within the university, we could have held off publishing until the issue was resolved. Instead, we chose to push forward and use this as an opportunity to educate stakeholders about the problem, um, and we did that by posting um, uh, about that specific issue. All of this is a very long-winded way of saying that we need to conquer our fear of feedback. Feedback is a vital part of the web design process and not one that we should be shying away from. Instead, it is something that we need to carefully manage and consider. We need to put as much work into our feedback mechanisms as we do into the site we're building. It's a crucial part of the puzzle.